um, this team and what you're doing and what you're preparing for us. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would speak during this next 20 minutes, God, and, and um, just continue to add, you know, layers to what you're wanting to do in us as a team, God. We just invite you to, to train us, to change us, to convict us, to motivate us, to inspire us. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, no middle school. No, you guys are staying in. Get used to it. Reading a book right now that says if, you're, if your service is not good for teenagers, then it's not good for people who don't go to church. So that's an interesting concept. Okay, um, have you guys been to Honey Grow yet in Newark? Oh, man. Okay, so I love that place, and I think it was the first time or maybe the second time I went there. Um, there's a couple of things about Honey Grow that stand out to me. First off, it's the perfect combination because they stole the whole iPad ordering thing for, or you know, computer ordering thing from Wawa, which is my favorite place to order food is Wawa. So it's like being in Wawa only with a different kind of food. And the first time I went there, it was a little overwhelming to me. There's like a whole board in front of you with a bunch of different things on it and like half of the ingredients, I don't even know what they are. And they're all in front of you, kind of like Chipotle, but they're not necessarily talking to you a whole lot. And then there's these computer screens, and it's like, and lo and behold, Gary was there, and he was on a date with Sarah, and um, was I with Mandy? Oh, yeah, it was me and Elliot, right. And uh, we were ordering some food to, I don't think you were there that time, nope. And Gary got up from his date and was like, oh, I love this place, let me show you the ropes. And so he... Left Sarah in the dust, and yeah, and he he took me to the computer, and he was like, literally walked me through every step, and he was like, now this is really good on this, if you get this, but this sauce is really, really spicy, and and like spent like 10 minutes, because that's how long I take to make decisions about food, at least, and and was just so gracious, and I love Honey Grow now, and I, and I go back, and honestly, I return the favor. I, it's something like, have you ever had something really cool that you love to introduce somebody else to? Uh, and, and it's so, like, I've, so I've taken some other people there, and like, when I meet with people, I'm always like, hey, you want to meet at Honey Grow? And, and I love when they're like, you've never been there. Didn't I take you there? Not yet. Oh, <laughs> this week. All right. Um, we tried that salad place together, right? Yes. Yeah. It was all right. Not, not as good as Honey Grow. Um, but I love, I love, you know, showing other people. I took Mandy there for a date a couple weeks later, and I got to show her the ropes. And it's, it's just, uh, it's, it was pretty exciting. And I go back there all the time now. Um, and uh, so recently we visited a church, few of us on the launch team visited a church in Dover, who started about a year and a half ago with uh, around 100, 150 people, with their vision statement being, we exist um, to bring people who are far from God close to him. Basically, I'm not saying exactly right. And we went, and they, from, from pulling into the parking, from before you pulled into the parking lot, from being on the street before their parking lot, they were thinking about, maybe this is your first time here. They were like Gary was for me at Honeygrow. They went out of their way. I mean, incredible signage everywhere, huge out on the street. And then uh, as you came in, like they, had, they said, put on your blinkers if it's your first time. And then if you had your blinkers on, they ushered you to a special parking section for people for their first time. And I swear to you, when we got out of the car, I mean, so for some of you, this might not be nice, but at least they tried, right? There was like three people there 
you know, like they didn't really open the door for me, but it was close. And they're like, oh, how are you doing? It's your first time. Oh man, so glad you could be here. You know, from, from that, literally from there, all the way to when we sat down, there were people along the way to like, if we needed help, help us, to shepherd us, to just be nice to us. And it made the experience great. I mean, to be honest with you, I understood exactly what was expected of me. And I understood what the next steps were. And um, I had a lot of questions and they were able to answer all the questions. And of course, I was like, we were scouting. So we were really pressing the pedal a lot and looking around. But it was, it was clear that they had planned for someone to show up that they didn't know was going to show up. They had actually said, we're going to plan our service, everything around the person that we're not guaranteed is going to show up. I know Steve's coming, right? So should I plan everything around the fact, like Steve doesn't need a lot of introduction to church. He knows where to park. He knows what time we start. He knows what, how many songs we do. He knows what the blood of the lamb is and so on and so forth, right? So if I'm going to budget my time and, and my, use my language and, and make my service based around Steve, that's one service. But if there's somebody that I don't know who doesn't know me and I don't know their background, one of the books I'm reading that right now says that now in today's culture, we can make no assumptions about people's understanding of the Bible and Jesus. They said, if you, what do you know about Taoism? Uh, yes. Some. I, I mean, I was a philosophy minor. I know, I know basics, right? But most people don't even have that. So you... We can't expect people to come with this knowledge. We can't expect people to come in. We say that we're going to have the Lord's Supper. If Just strip yourself of everything you know. What would that mean? Probably dinner time. And then you go up to the table and you're like, this is it? I've never even seen, for, for one, literally, the church is the only place I've ever seen those crackers. Those aren't even good crackers. Like, I like crackers. When we were growing up, we'd have special Sunday night meals where we'd have crackers and squeeze cheese. You guys ever have squeeze cheese? Our family doesn't do squeeze cheese. We, were, we weren't poor. We just had weird taste. I love the squeeze cheese. It was so good. Or we'd have the false crab meat and crackers. Remember that? Anyway, uh, my, dad, my dad's frugal. Um, but we would— uh, we don't even have good crackers. And it's, that's not enough to, to even, that little bit of juice is not enough to even wash that cracker down. I mean, right? Like, there's weird stuff that we do in church and we don't even think about it. All the time. And reading this deep and wide book, one of the things that hit me like a truck was this verse. This one. This is James and, and the Gentiles have, been, have suddenly started to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so Paul comes back and Peter comes back and they're talking with James. And they're like, what do we do? Should we make them all become Jews? Should we make them all get circumcised? Should we make them follow all the laws? And they had this huge Jerusalem council. And James says, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. And I'm, I don't worship Andy Stanley. I don't even think he's like, you know, what we're going to be. But there's a lot of things about Andy Stanley that convict me, that he's done with his life. He wrote this down on something and put it in his office. This like mission statement. That's not a bad mission statement to have. 
I am going to make it a goal to not put any obstacles in the way of people who are trying to come to know God. So that is so, just, just, that's all I'm talking about tonight. Removing obstacles. Removing obstacles for people who want to know Jesus. And we're going to step on some sacred cows. Jordan and I were out to breakfast this week, and, and we're, we're looking at sacred cows. And Jordan's like, should we even worship? That's a huge sacred cow, right? I mean, we do, worship's a big deal at the barn. But w- are we willing to look at everything again through the lens of, we will not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God? You know, Andy Stanley doesn't call it worship in his church. Because he says, if you walked into some other religion's meeting to check things out, and they were like, now we will worship, you'd be like, you have all sorts of stuff to wrestle with. Well, I don't know if I can worship. I don't know if I'm ready to worship. 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 That's powerful. Like, I don't know if I'm ready to, to, you know, bow down before this God yet. I'm just checking things out. So Andy says, now we're going to do some singing. Because everyone in the world has been somewhere where they've sang before, Right? Singing isn't going to be an obstacle or a barrier. It's little things like that. I mean, I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know if we're going to change it and call it singing. I'm just throwing some ideas out there, okay? I'm actually skipping ahead. I wanted to do the why before the what. This is powerful, okay? But why, why? Why would James say this? Why? So if we're on this launch team, we're saying that our, you know, our vision statement, which you have We've yet to put it into like fancy words, but number one, we're, we want to be a place for the unchurched to come to know Jesus. Unchurched, de-churched, disillusioned. Number two, we want to connect, this is the words I've been playing with lately, faith to mission. Take people's faith, I believe in Jesus, I worship, I pray, I read my Bible, and connect it to mission. I am serving the poor, I am serving the least of these, I'm ministering to my neighbors, I'm talking to people in my workplace. So we want to be a church for the unchurched, and we want to connect faith to mission. I'm just trying it out on you. What do you think? It's okay? All right, we'll keep working on it. Um, What's the why behind this? Here's the why. So Jesus is confronted, and they say, "What's what's the greatest commandment? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Do you know, everybody knew that answer already. I didn't know this. I was listening to a teaching this week. I'm not going to tell you by whom. It was Andy Stanley. But, um, and he... So everybody in the audience would have known that. They, all the Jews would have, that would have been their answer. If you would have asked Bob, who was standing right next to Jesus, Bob would have said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. What Jesus did that revolutionized things was he said, and. And they were like, what? There's no and, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. So he, isn't that radical? Think about, think about, how, many, how much of church is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength? But he, he put at the same level, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he tells some really weird story about who your neighbor is. Right? Your neighbor isn't your fellow Christian. He made your neighbor a person who your whole culture hates. That's, that's the context of the Samaritan story, Right? I mean, basically he's saying, the world is your neighbor. 
Remember, we talked about heroic leadership, the Jesuits, and they were saying that the, the world is, is their, their place. It's the whole world that they're going out into. It's their endeavor. It's no small-minded thing. So love your neighbor as yourself. This is why James says we can't put any obstacles in the way because we need to love people the way we would want to be loved. If I was far from God, if I was lost and hurting, if I was walking through the pain of life without Jesus— How would I want to be treated? Would I want to be invited? Would I want to understand what happened if I showed up? If I finally took the step? Do you think it's easy to come to church for the first time in your life? Or the first time since you stopped going when you were a teenager? Do you think it's easy to cross that threshold again? Think about all the judgment and the shame and the and and all the the, you know things that you've thought about church or that you think that they think about you, all those barriers that you've already walked through to even get into the parking lot. How many more barriers do we expect them to fight through so that they will come to know the one who's changed our lives? You know, I mean, okay. I was listening to another teaching this week by Erwin McManus, and he read from this scripture, and I just, this just, this clicker is like barely working right now. Um, I just, guys, It's hard for me to believe, but there are thousands and thousands of people who are not going to church right now in the Newark, Avangrove, and Elkton area. Like, Jordan, we were doing some math together. It was well over 100,000 people, just people who live in a 10-mile radius of where we're going to meet, hopefully, if the contract goes through, right? Well over 100,000 people. I mean, there's like a good 70,000 in Newark, plus there's the students, just like another 20,000. There's about 50, 40 to 50. I did a bunch of math trying to piece the parts of Avangrove together. There's about 40 to 50,000 people in the uh, Avangrove School District, and we're getting, you know, about 60% of that in our little circle. And then there's Elkton, which I have no idea how many people live there because I haven't done that research yet. But that's a lot of people and I guarantee you they're not all going to church. You know, a lot of the, the, the research that I could find had half of people not going to church. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of people. Do you think all of them don't need God? They need someone to say, yes, I'll lay down my desires. I'll lay down my comfort because you need to know Jesus. And so here's this incredible verse that God's speaking, since you are precious and honored in my sight, us, and because I love you, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life, so do not be afraid. Why does God ever say do not be afraid? Because you're going to do something that you should be afraid of in the natural. And he's saying, because I love you, and this is just, this is, I mean, it's a much longer teaching that we can't get into, but before this he's talking about how you walk through the fire and stuff like that. And, and you can roll into this, like, how many of us have walked through the fire? And our experience of God walking with us through the fire, you'll see in a second, is why we are now his witnesses to the world. Because there are people in the world who are walking through the fire right now. There are people in this world who are walking through the floods right now. And so he says, do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bring, let's just, just think about the people Think about this in context of our circle. Everybody knows what I'm talking about when I say our circle. I put it up last week, right? If you put a, the middle of Newark Charter and draw a circle around it, it gets all three of the territories that we live in, all right? I will bring your children from the east. I will gather you from the west. I will say to the north, give them up. 
and to the south. Do not hold them back. Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the ends of the earth. Everyone who's called by my name, who have created for my glory, whom I formed and made. Lead out those who have eyes but are blind, who have ears but are deaf. I mean, that is the cry of a father whose kids are missing. And he's saying, you are my witnesses, declares the Lord. You are my witnesses. Lead them out. So this is the why, going back to the first verse, that we will remove all obstacles for those who are far from God and coming to know him. The why is because God is calling people to him through you and I because of his great love. And that's, you know, we've all, we, we should all know that. But that's the why. When you sit there, right, we're going to have these moments. When you're there early and you're setting stuff up, and I'm not there because I'm coming late. No, I'm just kidding. And you're like, why is the pastor not here? No. When we are there early setting stuff up, you're going to be like, why? And you're going to have to go back and remember these things. You know, it, it, for me, when there's a meeting and not many people show up, and I'm like, why, God? I thought you said you'd give us the east and the west and the north and the south, and there was nobody here to remember because God's still calling them. You know, when we run into messy situations where things don't make sense, we don't quite have the answers for, we're going to have to remember the why. But I want to start to introduce the what too, okay? So the what, removing the obstacles. We talk, I started to get into it a little bit. Worship, those are some things we could talk about, you know? Some of you who have been in the Sunday night service for the last year, you've heard some of these. But I, I think it's important to keep talking about it. And as God speaks to you and gives you ideas, I want you to come talk to us. You know, but I think if we're saying let's remove all obstacles for those who need to come to know Jesus, you, you start to look at things like worship and start to think about someone who's, who hasn't been to church in a long time or has never been to church. Can they, can they last through 45, 50 minutes of worship? Can you? I'm just kidding. I mean, I could be wrong about this. And there's a whole other philosophy that's like you get people saved through lots of worship and the power of God and that's great. And I'm just telling you that's not the format or the model that we're, that we're going to start with. I expect the presence of God and the power of God. I don't think that's limited to 45 plus minutes of worship though. And I do think that some people will be turned off. So these are like the sacred cows, right? We might do 25 minutes of worship. I will tell you, as a barn-raised person, I used to sneer at the churches who did 25 minutes of worship. They are so unholy and don't know the power of God. And I'm telling you, I had worship pride. I looked at other churches with disdain, and now God's actually making me consider that. There's things that I need to lay down. I love playing worship. I can play. I mean, when I go to Holy Spirit night and I get to play with Caleb for an hour and a half straight, two hours straight, I, it doesn't even phase me, right? I mean, we're not tired. It's just like, why do we have to end? But that's for me. That's for me. I have to lay some of this stuff down for teaching. Guys, I'm considering learning a whole new style of teaching, just to be honest with you. And uh, I might try it out here sometimes. But I'm, I'm reading a book that is all about preaching to the unchurched, actually two books, and communicating for change in people's lives. And, like, it's different. And that's, that's challenging for me. You know, and I'm not going to talk—I mean, I— I don't know. I don't know what exactly, I mean, just, I don't know exactly God's going to ask me to do, but I'm willing to lay it all down. You know, one of the things, I'll just be honest with you, one of the things that this guy says is if you can't 
get up in front of people and tell them from your heart, from your memory, what you want them to walk out remembering. If you need to look at your notes, then how do you expect them to remember what you've told them if you can't even remember it? That's like one of those things where you're like, I better put that book down. I'm going to find a different book to read. Can you, I mean, that's, that scares me. You know, it's one of those things where instead of saying in the book of Ephesians, what does that mean to someone? What does that mean? The people of Thessalonica, what does that mean? You know what you're going to have to give up? You're going to have to hear me explain that. And you're going to want to, yes, shoot me, throw things at me. You're going you're to be like, I cannot believe he's telling us for the 52nd time this year who Paul is. I know who Paul is, for crying out loud. But there might be one person in the room who doesn't. See, that's the shift, isn't it? Isn't that a shift? Like, instead of us doing things for the majority, we're doing things for the minority. Instead of doing things for the initiated, we're doing things for the uninitiated because we're in. You know what parable that kind of sounds like to me? The 99 and the 1. The shepherd did everything for the 1. Is it worth it for us to do worship differently and teaching differently and parking differently and prayer ministry differently and words differently from the mic and for one person to get saved? And the answer should be yes, in my opinion. And if, and if your heart's not resonating with that, then you might find that this isn't the church you're called to launch. That's why it's so important that we buy into this vision because it's, I'm committed and I'm committed to surrounding our, myself with people who are saying, we are going to stay on mission. We're going to say no to things. We're going to say no to things that are great ideas that other churches should do, but we're not going to do it because it's not going to reach the unchurched and minister to the poor. And so we're going to have to say no. I know that I'm going to be unpopular. You know, part of the reason that I felt my heart shift towards Newark, to be totally honest with you, is I got before God and I felt him say, what is it you really, really, really want to do? And I said, I want to get as many people saved as possible. And he said, then and what I felt in my heart was, you need to go towards as many people as possible. That was laying down a dream that I had. I had a dream that we would be in a, in a town with a high school, and it would be all, you know, and I would be a coach there and a pastor, and everyone would love me. That was like a dream I had. And now we're going to a town with like tons of high schools, and they have like, won't even let us in. And, and I don't, and I'm scared. I'm scared of Newark. I'm scared of the diversity, to be honest with you. I have unsuccessfully reached the University of Delaware for like 25 years of my life. When I was 14, I was walking on Main Street trying to get people to get saved. That is a true story. I cannot believe I'm going to try to go back and do that again. But somebody has to. He's saying, I will call these people. So what else are we willing to do? I mean, what assumptions are you willing to give up? Um... I think we're going to have to learn to walk towards the mess. You know, honestly, if we really start seeing people come to know Jesus for the first time, lives, I mean, lives are going to be messy. Like, Tyler, you may have to open up your home to a small group of people who are like, I don't even know who John is from Paul. It's going to be different, you know? Small group might look like you hanging out at a restaurant with people. I mean, who knows what it's going to be? I don't know. You know, inst- instead of like having, having another Bible study, we might meet and, and serve the poor because we're connecting faith to mission. And I think that that's going to attract people who have, who have written the church off because we're irrelevant. And suddenly we're going to say, no, like we're out. What are you doing with your life? Let's go. 
You know, are we willing to start to get into that mess? Are we willing to sacrifice some of our preferences? I mean, I was sitting through church this morning and I was just thinking about all the things that I love that I'm not going to get anymore. You know, it's like, it's like purposely going on a diet. You ever do that? Like the day before the diet, you're like eating that last bowl of ice cream. You're like, I will miss you. You know, and then you're like scrape the bottom out and the lid. The top of the lid, ice cream tastes different, doesn't it? It's like a little bit better. I mean, there's things, there's things I'm going to give up. I, I don't know that I'm going to get to play an instrument in this church. I mean, maybe to launch it, I'll have to, but it might be our goal that the role that I need to play needs to not be on stage, needs to be not distracted with sound check and all that. Do you know I've played music since I was 15 years old in this church? Like, that would be a huge thing for me to lay down. There are people in this church that I love that I'm not going to get to see on Sunday morning anymore because God has called us to go out and, I mean, I want to see some people get saved. I almost don't believe it can happen. I was meeting, a couple of us traveled up to Connecticut a couple months ago, and I was talking to my friend Justin, who's got a church that's doing very similar to what we're doing, and I said, I don't believe you. You quote these numbers at me, but anybody can quote numbers at me. Like, we make numbers up all the time. That's what pastors do. Tell me some stories. And he started saying, well, there's this person and there's this person. I was like, because I don't believe you, because I don't see it. I believe that Christians can get more Christians. I believe that Christians can get more on fire. But I, I, don't, I, I have a hard time really believing that the gospel still takes atheists and turns them to God. Muslims and turns them to God. Do you believe that? Do you believe that can happen right now? That we could be part of that? Alright, so what I want to do is I want to show you a short video clip from this teaching I was listening to yesterday while I was mowing the lawn, or two days ago. Um, and this is Erwin McManus. He's got a church in California, and they, they, I think, are similar in vision. They have some other things. They're pretty artsy, but like very driven to reach people who don't know Jesus, very driven to take his city for Jesus. He has a passion to put down mosaics in cities that everyone else has written off. Like, there's no way L.A. is going to come to know the Lord. And he's like, L.A. is going to be the best place on earth. Right? I mean, that's his mindset. Um, and so he, they just bought a, a huge theater to have a second campus at. And so he's talking about them. And he, he's, he just gives a little glimpse into their history. And so he talks about how many people were there at their first Easter five years ago. And I just want you to watch this. Because I want you to think about what if in five years we could be saying some of these things. Okay? Is it going to work? But Jesus will actually give you life. And what he's saying to us here is, I've called you so that you can call them. But if you don't call them, they'll never know. You are the only proof of God that God is sending. You are the singular proof of life that Jesus gives. So I'm telling you, no one else will do this. It's wonderful that we advocate for so many other important things. But this is what the church has been trusted with. I want us to see the growth we've had over the past five, six years here. I just want you to see this real quickly. On the first Easter that we were here, we had 773 people here on Hollywood Boulevard. This past Easter, we had 8,410. Isn't that amazing? Two Easter's ago, I did a survey. We had over 1,000 people who said, I'm an atheist on Easter. What are atheists doing in church? (laughs) 
except searching for God. We've had 1,551 people follow Jesus in baptism. Many of you have been those persons. We can applaud that. And we've had 8,234 people give their lives to Jesus since we came into this spot right here. Now, this is the first time you've ever seen any numbers. I don't really talk to you about numbers. And I want you to see this, though, because, you see, those numbers are actual real people. See, in that 8,234 is a Muslim woman who walked into our building and said, I want to know about Jesus. And in that 34 are all her Muslim friends that she brought back with her after she gave her life to Jesus so they could find him too. See, in that 8,234 is the guy I talked to over here who was baptized. Oh, he's in that 1551 too. Who came because a sister came and he was worried about his sister. And, and I talked to him and I, 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 I asked his name and he said, my name's John. He goes, I'm an atheist. Oh, well, I was. Like that. So what do you mean? He goes, well, I walked in an atheist. I said, what are you doing over here? He goes, I, I, I just gave my life to Jesus. And, and I want to be baptized. I said, so let me be clear. You walked in that door as an atheist. I walked out that door following Jesus. He goes, yes. I said, okay, what happened in between here and there? He goes, well, I obviously wasn't a very good atheist. <laughs> See, in that number is the person who flew in from another state and they had a strange dream about a girl that was the most beautiful girl they'd ever seen. And then he said, what's your name? And she said, Mosaic. <laughs> then he drove up the street because he was lost and he saw the sign Mosaic and came inside and found Jesus. Don't tell me God isn't doing things here. See, in that number, in that number are some of the best friends I have. That 773 are people that were strangers to me six years ago, and now they're family. People that I couldn't even imagine doing life without. In that number, that 773, there are people who prayed for me that God would heal me who send me gift cards and food. And... Because what happens when you come to Jesus is you come to family. You become community. And you end up living your life for each other. You are my witnesses. You know why God sends you through the water? Because people without Jesus are going through the water alone. And they're drowning. I like how you said... I like, he's like, it's good that we're involved in all these other good causes, but we're the only ones doing this. We're the only ones calling people to Jesus. And it's good that we're involved in other causes, and we should be, but the church is made to call people to Jesus. That's, that's it. Add everything else onto it, but, I mean, guys, are you inspired by that? I mean, I think that we should be thinking that that's what we can do, that that's what we, this team— I mean, you'd be like, whoa, we don't, you know. You could list all the reasons why that's not going to happen. But I mean, Jesus started everything with 12 people who were pretty messed up. You know? I think we can really hit the ground running. 
I want to read one more thing to you. This is... Um, Sorry, this is from the book, Deep and Wide. Um, okay, so Barry was in his 30s. He struggled through the complexity of growing up without a father. He quit attending church as a teenager when his mother could no longer force him to go. He embraced just about every vice imaginable. Married early, had a couple kids. I like how he says that. It's kind of a weird follow-up. <laughs> embraced about every vice imaginable. Married early, had a couple kids. I think that... Editor missed something there. All right. Was on the verge of destroying his family when someone in their neighborhood invited them to attend North Point. I just want you to see how that's, this started. Someone in their neighborhood invited them, right? He wasn't the least bit interested. So just expect that. But his wife was. So she attended and she loved it and their two kids loved it. And it was the children who eventually convinced Barry to give our church a try. Even then, he insisted they come in separate cars in case he decided to leave early. As it turned out, he arrived late, and he didn't try to find his wife. He was there to put a check in the box. So not like a money check, but just to say, like, I I checked it out, right? Went directly to worship center in search of a back row seat as close to the door as possible. Listen. But what Barry didn't know was that we were expecting him. That gets me. No, nobody called to tell us he was coming. We are a church for unchurched people. We assume guys like Barry are showing up every week. Heck, we designed the place for the Barrys of the world. You know what? If you design it for those guys, they'll come. God will even give them crazy dreams to send them. Right? Why would God send the Barrys of the world to churches who aren't ready for them? Why would he do that? So one of our host team members saw a lone gentleman who looked a bit lost, uncomfortable, and sporting an attitude that said, don't talk to me. I don't really want to be here. And he did what our host team does best. He introduced himself. <laughs> and he ushered Barry down to the second row. We save 50 seats down in front for folks like Barry. We learned a long time ago that people who show up early to get the best seats are the people who need them the least. So we save seats for the latecomers. As I referenced earlier, it's not fair to the people who arrive early for us to save seats for people who arrive late. But the people in our churches who have embraced our vision are glad that we save seats for the people who need them the most. The Sunday Barry attended, we were in the middle of a series entitled Fight Club. We were talking about the importance of fighting for the relationships that are most precious. As Barry explained in his baptism video, it was as a light switch turned on inside of me. So a random decision to attend church in order to get his wife and kids off his back turned out to be a divine appointment. Six months later, Barry and his wife were baptized. I mean, I want, I want that story. I want that story. Do you want that story? Because it's not, it's not about me. That's why we have to have a team that's bought into this vision, top-down, Monday to Sunday— Eating, drinking, sleeping, breathing this vision. We literally could see thousands of people come to Christ. Think about it. How how many nations could we touch through the University of Delaware? What if we got several thousand students saved in the the next 10 years? I mean, the possibilities are endless when you say yes to God. When you say, you know what— it's so ironic. I spent about six months praying this prayer, and I didn't, maybe it was leading up to this whole thing. This was a while ago. I prayed every morning, 
this weird prayer. It's the John the Baptist prayer. Less of me, more of you. That's exactly what the theme is for us. Right? We're saying, okay, less of us. Let's, let's, we're, we'll lay stuff down. We'll remove every obstacle. We will make it as non-difficult, as easy, as easy as possible for people who are far from God to come to know him. Wouldn't you love to be part of that? Wouldn't you love for those people in your neighborhood, maybe you don't, you know what I think? I think that we haven't even met a lot of them yet because there's been no context for God to do it yet. And as the context is created, as we take the step of faith and create in the earth what is needed, he will begin to bring people to you. He will begin to fill your nets. It's already started happening to me, guys. We got to figure out a name for the stupid church because I need a card to give people. I mean, I, I continually meet people that I start to talk about this. I, I met a person in, 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 like, uh, in Oxford at a bowling alley, and I think she's going to come to our church. You know, she works in Oxford, single mom. She has to bring her kid to work with her. He sits there and has all his little toys and stuff behind the little bowling alley counter. She doesn't have a church. She lives in Newark. I was like, you live where? <laughs> all right. I mean, we should eat. Um, we were going to pray together, but I, I, you know, I want to respect everyone's time. So we, we're a little bit long. I'm a little bit long-winded. It's another thing I have to lay down. Um, so next time we're together, we'll pray together. Deal? I even made prayer targets this time. It's too bad. All right, either, either there's like a little bit of conviction or excitement or like most of you are not going to be here next week. You're just like, I didn't know it was about that, Christian. We're out. It's like a little bit subdued. Are we okay? Are you just hungry? No, it's true. I won't be. Yeah, Jonathan's got it. Or he'll cancel it. You guys want to take bets? <laughs> Jesus, thank you so much that um, you're stretching me and stretching us. And we want to see what you can do. It's like that verse, like, we've heard about it. Now show us, renew it in our time. Renew, renew your signs and wonders, your great works in our time. God, would you give us the unchurched of Newark, Avangrove, and Elkton? God, we ask you, would you send us the unchurched and the hurting and the dechurched of Newark and Avangrove and Elkton? Would you draw them to us, Lord God, so that we can draw them to you, Jesus? God, break our hearts for the people that we are called to reach, God. Begin to, to help us to see them everywhere we go, God. Prepare us. Make us ready. Prepare us. Prepare the nets, God, to go down for this catch. Thank you that everyone in this room has a role to play. Thank you that we're not all the upfront person. Some of us are behind the computer person. Some of us are the during the week organizing person. Some of us are the greeter person. Some of us are the parking person. Some of us are the worship person. God, thank you that you've given us all different gifts, but together we can be on mission. 
let it begin to really grab, grab us and crystallize. And We just pray for that in Jesus' name. Um, seriously, a big part of this is that we are a, a family, like Bree said in, uh, as a word last week, and we want to continue to invest in community, a community that's open, right? We're going to open that community, but um, that's why we want to do things like we're going to stay and eat today. We're going to have the Memorial Day picnic together at Josh's, Josh and Christine's house in a couple weeks. So please stay and eat as long as you want to. God bless the food. We can eat inside or you can go outside. I think we set up some picnic tables since it's so nice outside. I don't know what to do. Go. Amen. <laughs>